Welcome to Meet, Act, and Part. A Masonic podcast hosted by Midnight Freemasons Greg Knott, Darren Larners, Todd Creason, and Bill Hosler. The views, opinions and experiences that are expressed by the hosts or guests as individual Freemasons do not reflect the official position of any Grand Lodge, appendant body, or Masonic authority to which the hosts or guests belong. And now on with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. This is episode 59, How Should I Dress for Lodge? And real quick, we'll introduce ourselves as your co-hosts. I am Greg Knott. Bill Hostler. And I'm Darren Laners. Well, happy fall, everyone. It's uh, As we record this, we've already passed the uh, the mark in September to start fall. And uh, boy, the weather turned here, at least in central Illinois, Seems like pretty quick. Within a week or so, we uh, got that fall weather going. And, uh, you know, that kind of makes me lead into the discussion we're going to have Bill take the lead on is weather and, uh, you know, what what should I be wearing? You know, all of a sudden I'm wearing a jacket outside and, you know, not my shorts anywhere. I, I literally put on a pair of jeans for the first time the other day since May. The good news is they fit. So, you know, you never know how these things go. But anyway, we're, we were kind of brainstorming ideas, and, and Bill suggested this one. How should we dress for Lodge? So, Bill, we're going to let you take it away. We've heard for years it's the internal versus external when it comes to an apprentice degree, which I personally know is not meaning dress. But so many brethren on either side of the argument will use that piece of ritual to base their case on. And right now, in, in, it's at least in America, I don't know about anywhere else in the world, it's kind of a, I'd say, a, a discussion as to how you should dress to go to lodge. Should you dress in a business suit and give it the respect, give lodge a respect like you would uh, going to church or your house of worship? Or is business casual all right? Like as you wear it these days at work, since most businesses are business casual these days. Or do you feel like you can just wear your T-shirt and a pair of sweats like you're going to Walmart? It just, this is where we are today, and we I'm sure each of us has our own opinion. And I thought that's, this would be a great topic to see which way we should go. Should we dress for Lodge? Should we wear business casual? Or does anything go? What are your thoughts, brethren? Well, you know, as I was thinking about this today, I, uh, I'm i one that I don't normally wear suits. You know, I'm retired now, but even in my day job, I only wore suits when we had a, a board meeting. And uh, so we were down to business casual every day at work. In terms of a lodge, I mean, last night we had a degree at St. Joseph Lodge, and I'm the only idiot in the room that didn't have a jacket on. And so... I should have. I just didn't. I, I wore business casual. I guess I didn't think about it. You know what? Dressing up brings me flashback to ill-fitting clothes and ill-fitting shoes from when I was a boy having to dress up to go to church. And, you know, for whatever reason, and yeah, I got I wore the husky size when we went to Sears. You know, I just, I've never been a big dresser-upper. And uh, 
I don't mind it. I think once I get the suit on and stuff, but there's almost a little bit of sense of dread. And if I have to go somewhere dressed up in a suit and tie, but once I put it on, I'm fine. But, uh, so yeah, that's, you know, from just a generalistic approach, that's, that's where I fall. But, uh, Darren, on the other hand, Darren does a great job of really setting the example here in our local lodges of, of dressing up and, uh, but I'll let him address that himself. Thanks, Greg. Uh, yeah, I try to dress up, uh, even for the stated meetings, uh, definitely degrees or any other special events. I, I'm going to throw on a, a suit and tie just because, uh, I think a, I, I've never really thought of it as setting an example. It's just who I want to portray myself as and that I take, you know, Freemason seriously and I am reverent to it. I think that's why I tend to dress up. Plus, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, fellas, you know, it's nice to dress up and have your lady look at you a little differently than, than normal. So, you know, there's an added bonus there. So, I'm just, you know, throwing that out there for the brothers who may be on the fence. I bet your lady loves you dressed up. I'm just saying. Well, and see, that's, and I kind of fall in the middle. Because when I first became a Freemason, everybody in the lodges, at least up north, and at least in Fort Wayne where I was, they wore suits. And to to, to uh, stately, monthly stated meetings or like side, you know, like um, York Rite or Scottish Rite. And for degree work, we wore full tuxedos. And in fact, when I was made master of my lodge, I wore a tuxedo. But now since I've moved down here to the South, things are a little more, not everywhere, but it's a good mark. They're um, a little bit more laid back. And now in a lot of guys will wear business casual, or some like a, some of the brethren who are, you know, a little bit more out in the country, or who have a rural job. They tend to just wear blue jeans and a good clean shirt. And to be perfectly honest, brethren, I always love dressing up, but I've almost gotten to the point where I like just going in a pair of khakis and a polo shirt even better because it's just plain easier. And I guess we have to decide. As a fraternity, are we, you know, do these men who wear pretty much business casual on a daily basis, do they go home from their job and then they put on a suit? Or do they just go home, put on a you know, pair of jeans or sweatpants or whatever? Or do we just let them come as they are? I mean, it's, it's the fact that even churches these days, the church I attend down here just down the road, they wear, you know, no one, I don't. And maybe even the preacher occasionally wears a suit. But for the most part, most people wear anything from shorts and a T-shirt all the way up to what we call business casual. And nobody really blinks an eye. Is this a societal thing or is this just a, something we have to do to in reverence to the craft? Or how do we work it? I mean, is it kind of as a come as you are? I guess it just really depends on your lodge and the feelings of the brethren within it. But I think, you know, it's something that needs to be discussed, at least in a broad sense, and then let the chips fall where they may for your local level. But it is kind of an interesting question. I think, Bill, you've summarized it perfectly. It's sort of one of those things that I always, I always, Darren and I have talked about this a couple of times, that 
Freemason, all Freemasonry is local, or to me, the only Freemasonry that really matters is the local. And so each locality probably has its own flavor of what they expect for a dress code. I'm a member of Naval Lodge in Washington, D.C., though I tell to make it. And uh, the Grand Master of Washington, D.C. has uh, put a lot of effort into emphasizing the dress code. And I, as I've read through his emails, and I forward a couple of those to you guys, I think what he's trying to do is just reestablish the importance of not only the dress, but of the craft in general, and that the dress, dressing up, can help, you know, enhance that general attitude towards the craft. And I actually, I think he's right. I think I, I noticed last night at our degree, despite the fact that I was only one without a coat, I did at least have business casual, it, it does change the attitude in the room, you know, uh, versus Monday, we actually had a stated meeting and, you know, there was a potpourri of how different people dressed. And so I, I do think the dress is important to help set the tone for a meeting. That said, I think each locale is probably driven by local customs as to what maybe they, you know, expect of their members and, and things like that. But I'll give it to Darren to see what he thinks. Yeah, Greg, to your point, I, I think especially in a degree, the, the dress code sets the the scene. Uh, it can add to you know the the mystique especially if a lodge were to be all in tuxedos as uh you know bill kind of talked to and and to your point in in many jurisdictions tuxedo is the is what they need to to wear it's the dress code in that grand jurisdiction so as i've gotten older i'm not as hardcore about it you know i will say i'm at the point where i'd much rather see the brother at the lodge regardless of his attire than have him be absent what irritates me is that i think that what you essentially are doing in a in the degree you know, especially that first degree, their initiatory degree, the EA degree, is you have a, a candidate coming into the lodge and you want to display the character of your lodge and and how you put on that degree. And I think that when you have a lodge and candidate shows up, he's in flip-flops, you know, like a tank top and, and some shorts, and uh, the lodge isn't dressed very much better. I'm not going to talk ill about the brothers, but I just think that it's just kind of blasphemous to have a degree and, and be dressed in that manner. It just, at least you know, make an effort. And I'm not saying dress to the nines. I'm not saying that, you know, you have to even have a suit and a tie on, but at least make an effort to make yourself presentable. That's all I'm asking. I mean, and I agree that, you know, especially for degree work, especially the other apprentice degree, we're making an impression on the brother, a soon-to-be brother, who will be hopefully becoming active in our lodge. But in a way, it's like, the dress is just part of that situation we need to use to impress them. I mean, you know, if we could be dressed in tuxedos or even morning dress with the top and hat tails, but if no one knows their words and they argue over where you're supposed to stand or, you know, the argument and if the building looks like it's ready to fall down or has that old man smell that a lot of them have, you know, we're, it's, it's, that's just as equally as important. Well, let me bring this to you guys, too. Just a thought I had a couple minutes ago. Even if it's just for degree work, what if, if we had lodges come up with the idea of when they're doing the degree work, 
have everybody wear a robe. Now, because be perfectly honest, when I was going to the degrees, I halfway expected that. You know, I guess you know you hear all the things about you know the the underworld and all. I expected everybody to be in like a robe with a hood. And one, my college fraternity—that's the way they dressed in the initiation. And and I guess in a way that would put everyone on the level. You would, you know, underneath that robe, you could be wearing flip flops and a Jimmy Buffett shirt and a you know, crop top and a pair of shorts. Or you could be in a tuxedo, but really nobody knows underneath. That would almost make it to where we're all equal. What do you guys think about that? Well, I think I think you're on to something. I mean, part of it, let me just back up a little bit. And to when Darren, you know, is, and we've both seen it, probably all three of us have seen it, the candidate that shows up in the flip-flops and the, you know. But sometimes I'm like, well, did we even tell them what the expectation was? I think so many times, you know, we get all tied up in, you know, who's bringing the dinner and who's doing the parts in the degree and is the lodge unlocked and all that logistical things that we don't even tell the candidate, you know, hey, you might want to show up in, you know, the minimum business casual because usually they'll meet the expectation if we let them know. And so sometimes I think we stop there. I I think, you know, if you think about the candidates themselves, you know, they, they dress in certain ways uh, for the degrees in the Blue Lodge. And the whole point of that is to, to your point, Bill, is to illustrate the, the equalness of them coming through the lodge as part of the, you know, uh, or illustration of what they're wearing. But part of that is, you know, to illustrate that they, they are equal coming in. And uh, so I, I think there's something there, Bill. Again, I kind of go back to that local control, you know, theory that, you know, each lodge I still think has to probably come up with what what they want to do. Their Grand Lodge may have a specific set of expectations, so it's not always that local. But I think if there's not, like in Illinois, there's no dress code. Uh, there's implied at times, but, uh, you know, you have to do it. You know, I was just thinking when I went to the uh, Supreme Council meeting in August, there was a specific dress code. I mean, they tell you exactly we wear tuxedos with tails and they outline exactly, you know, it should have these certain components to it. And well, that's cool. I didn't have a problem with it. it you know, it told me exactly what to buy and, you know, and what to get. And there was no guessing in it. And in some ways that's not bad either. If you take the guessing out of the equation and, and just say, here's what it is. Most people just mean it and say, Oh, that's fine. I just didn't know. Darren. Yeah. Excellent uh, points, uh, Bill, to, to your your point, Greg and I are in a uh, Masonic body where robes are part of the degree work. So, you know, and it does add a, a mystical element to it. I think those degrees have, have great opportunity to be even more mystical. And, and my hope is to help, you know, us uh, do that. Uh, but I think that, you know, to the, the idea of having maybe hooded robes, maybe by candlelight, you know, if you want to bring a much more esoteric or mystical kind of experience into your lodge, burn some incense, do that sort of thing with the degree, man, that would be, I think, super impressive, you know, to that candidate. But then... I always, you know, I joke with my wife when uh, I get her uh, a birthday gift or a Christmas gift that, I, you know, I keep setting the bar higher and higher. And at some point I'm just going to, I'm going to fall down. Right. So uh, I, I think that uh, to that point, once you kind of go down that route, man, you've kind of picked your identity and you got to stick to it. Right. Because uh, that's what guys are going to start to expect. But that being said, that's what's get, it will bring quality men through the door and they want to kind of, you know, that's the experience that they want. 
and you're getting quality guys, it's a win-win in my opinion. You know, it really is. So, you know, uh, something I was saying about with dress and I, I can always find a Boy Scout analogy in anything we talk about, and, and that's the uniform and scouting. You know, and I, I my philosophy is I always wanted the kids to wear the uniform uh, if they could, but I was personally never one to really give them any grief if they didn't. I was just glad they came. There was other people that were very vigilant that, you know, the patches should be in a certain way and, and all this. But the whole purpose of that uniform was to create that sense of identity. And same could be said, you know, as we were alluding to, I think, with a dress code for a lodge. You know, it, it helps set that identity uh, for the lodge. I mean, I think in, in some rural areas, it just it's just common. You know, they may show up in bibs and, and boots. You know, it's just that is dressing up. That's how a lot of rural folks, they go to church. And so I think sometimes, you know, even dressing up, you may have to define what that means. And it's not necessarily a coat and tie in every every uh, circumstance. Well, to be perfectly honest, here's a story I haven't told too much, but the night that I when I was nearly 500 pounds when I was raised to the sublime degree, and I only had two pair of pants that, that would fit me at that time, size 64. And one of them was just a pair of like semi-dress pants, and the other was bib overhauls I wore driving a truck. Well, that day I went to go put on my pants, my dress pants, and it they gave out. And so I ended up going to my Master Mason degree and having my picture taken after the degree work in my bib overhauls. So I guess I'm part of that in a way. But it did take me long to figure out I needed to get to go out and get at least a suit and tie. I remember in high school, I worked at this Hardee's and we wore some of those god awful nylon polyester <laughs> suits. That you know, looking back, it's like, holy smokes. But, you know, the whole idea was we were presenting this uniform look to the customer. And, you know, we all had the same thing on, more or less, except the managers. They had a sure. shirt and tie. But it was just part of the part of the, the business. You know, in Freemasonry, it's really no different. It's not a business per se, but yet it's a, you know. I think to Darren's spot on about his, you know, uh, observation that it, it sets the tone, not only for how you look, but I, I actually agree with Darren that it, it, you know, I think dressing up gives you those good vibes. And, uh, and you know, it does make a difference when you see everybody else. Like I say, last night I, I had a, you know, a good, nice shirt on, but I was underdressed. And so I felt a little oddball of it. But there was other folks in there that don't always wear suits and ties to other meetings. They had them on. And I, I just, again, I, I think it set that tone last night of we had a good degree. Candidates came dressed nice. So they were, you know, they were prepared. And I think it just, it does add to that ambiance and, uh, and other things of the, uh, of the night. You know, it's sort of like the one time I remember when I was the uh, building manager for the Fort Wayne Masonic Temple, the York Wright College for Fort Wayne wanted to hold a nation, a statewide college event. And the Grandmaster was there and just about every type of York Wright bling was there. I mean, there's all these people with the, the letters after our names, you know. And we set it up that we went into the social room, you know, with all the leather seats and the carpet. We had a piano player come in there, and every, all the men were in suit and excuse me, in tuxedos, and then all the women were in evening gowns, and they were eating hors d'oeuvres and they were drinking, you know, uh, sparkling 
cider or whatever it was. Because, you know, of course, we can't have alcohol in the Masonic Temple. But, you know, I mean, we were all dressed in tuxedos. And it was a very formal and elegant event. And I really felt there was a real vibe in that. And that really set the tone for the rest of that entire day. And I really think that that was one of the high points I ever had at really a Masonic meeting. It was just, it almost, I, I was sitting there thinking to myself, this is probably what it looks like back in the 50s, 40s and 50s when all the brethren were there. It just, it really, it, it was a positive energy. Yeah, you know, it, it makes, Bill, your statements there make me think of, if you think about dress codes, expectations, and really how they vary drastically between the appendant bodies. You know, I mentioned, you know, going to Scottish Rite Supreme Council, you're in tails for a good part of it. The the widow's sons, they have their own um, dress with, you know, usually a leather vest and, you know, nice jeans and a nice dress shirt they'll have on with their um, various patches and things. And, you know, the York Rite, you might have a red jacket and Royal Arch, a purple and cryptic and, you know, a, a uniform in the Knight Templar degree. You know, so re- there's really just a wide variety. You know, the shrine, uh, you dress up for part of it and other parts is casual. And, uh, you know, I hadn't thought about how many variations there are till you know, you got to talking there, Bill, about Fort Wayne. You know, it's interesting. Here's a question for you guys. Do you think, you know, going back, you know, you look in the 1950s and say before they were all dressed up whenever they basically left the house. Do you think that goes in cycles, you know, over time, you know, where fashion fads come and go but do you foresee a time when it'll just be the fad to dress back up again well you know i mean if you like was it 10 15 years ago the grand lodge of indiana did a study and i know several other grand lodges was doing ones about the same way and it was basically focused on millennials and that era and that was long before gen z ever even attempted to become a freemason and it was shown in in the surveys that most of those young men wanted to dress up in suits and that's what the way they felt like you should go to because to them it was something bigger than themselves and they wanted to show reverence and a lot of them did i mean if you think about that's right about the time the traditional observant lodges kind of took off is around that time when the younger men started coming in now i don't know because it's i get everything you know i haven't been the regular lodge in a while thanks to my health but I don't know whether these brethren are still dressing up or whether they just said, screw it. And then they wear their, you know, whatever. But it, if it, if it, it was at least one point something that they definitely wanted to do. And so I, I, but I can't see them changing their minds unless we changed it in a negative way. I think at least that to my understanding, the, the theologians that I'm aware of are still, you know, following that kind of stricter dress code. Uh, if you will, Bill. But I mean, this was even, it wasn't in just T.O. lodges, but it was mm-hmm. just brethren of regular Masonic lodges too. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, there's, there uh, again, I think, you, you know, there's something to be said about dressing up for lodge. Now, I mean, so let's, let's kind of address the elephant in, in the room, if you will. I think that maybe some of the reason guys aren't dressing up for lodge is there's really not a reason to dress up for lodge. I mean, if you're going to lodge and you're spending an, an ordinary amount of time just talking about 
bills or building repairs and, you know, all the other man- mundane stuff. And I know we wanted to keep this episode positive, so I'll try not to go too negative. But No, but I think it's, I what, think it's a valid point. What, mm. what, I, what I'm, I'm trying to say is that when, when we're not giving guys the reason to dress up by having a dinner maybe beforehand uh, or, you know, having a festive war or even maybe just saying, hey, we're going to, after the meeting, we're going to cross the street and wouldn't it be great for us all to show up, you know, kind of dressed up like this and, and have uh, a have some refreshment and, and then, you know, be on our way. So I, I think, uh, you know, the one thing that dressing up does is that it, attracts people's eyes to you right so if you are in your community and you're kind of out in force and you're all dressed up and guys or gals are looking at you isn't that kind of nice to to be a focal point and isn't that how we try to get ourselves back out into the community by attracting attention to ourselves i mean we're so used to just being in our lodge buildings and we've got when we meet on the front of the building and then we're like well why aren't any guys coming in well we're not doing anything or when we try to do something it's half ass and and we look like we look desperate i mean and i'll i'll state this to to uh you know my point here is my, until i met my wife you know i was always about being on being on a, a, a the back of greg's truck with the mason sign you know dressed up waving or, or whatever and she pointed out she's like dude you're all alone right <laughs> how desperate does that look how creepy does that look and i was like you know you've got you've really got a good point there if we're not going to show up in force if your lodge isn't isn't going to show up there and be with you man it looks kind of bad doesn't it all they were doing is just locking their car door as they drove by you I mean. probably i mean you know and we're we're in this truck and some weirdos throwing candy at them i'd be running away too well, at least you got rid Absolutely. of that that said free candy on the side mm-hmm. you know <laughs> You know, I that was I a guess nice Darren, paint job, Bill. I know. You know, Darren. Darren again brings up a good point. You, you know, you can imagine, like on a month, say a Monday or Tuesday night in your your little town, our little towns, that we go into the restaurant with suit and ties. People are going to say, "Well, what are you guys up to?" or "What's going on?" You know, especially when they know us. Where's the funeral? Yeah, where's who died? It was like, oh no, we're going to the Masonic Lodge. Oh, I didn't even know you guys were still around, which is a very typical you know, response. So, yeah, I think Darren, uh, your points exactly spot on that. Uh, it's our perception to the public to, you know, a, let them know we're here. But the other is, you know, Hey, they may ask, Oh, I didn't know you guys were still there. Uh, you know, we might attract a, a candidate or, or so. Well, and you know, most of the most, the, the most successful Masonic bodies around the world, like this two of them that come into my mind right now is Prince Hall lodges. You know, they have a dress code. I mean, and it's a strict dress code. And the United Grand Lodge of England has that dress code of, you know, black suit, white shirt. And it used to be just a black tie in honor of the World War One dead. But now that they've kind of went went off the rails and came up with their own tie so they can wear that in line. You know, I mean, they look good. I mean, Prince Hall always looks good. They, they make us look pitiful sometimes. <laughs> But they are, but they're all successful. You know, they don't just take anybody. They don't, and you know, they they dress for success and they show the what they reap from it. One of my best Masonic experiences is going to a Prince Hall third degree with um, my good buddy Dustin. Uh, he he was uh, very much 
involved with, you know, visiting Prince Hall Lodges to the point where there was a point where he was looking actually to switch membership from uh, our Grand Lodge to the the Prince Hall affiliated Grand Lodge here in Illinois. Uh, That didn't happen, but I know that he's still, you know, in touch with a lot of his Prince Hall brothers uh, back here, even though he's out in Vegas right now. And I, I just, to your point, it was, you know, all of their officers dressed to the nines. You know, there there was a past master there, same thing. They're all in their dark suits. Again, their candidates had same issue kind of with ours. You know, they were varying degrees of, of dress, but they, they conferred. <laughs> the degree I went to, they conferred probably, I know this is blasphemous from our point of view, especially our Grand Lodge's point of view, but I think they had, it had to be 10 to 15 candidates just lined up that they did a third degree with and, you know, brought them all in individually one at a time and put them down. And we're, we're nice, at least in our grand jurisdiction where, you know, you, you get a, a, a padded implement, the Prince Hall, it's, it's straight up the gavel, man, and no, no padding whatsoever. So you can kind of imagine, uh, how that must, uh, you know, the sound that makes and hearing that for 15 guys and, and seeing them kind of wince when, when it, I was, I was happy at that point, uh, to be not, uh, not going through a Prince Hall degree, but I will say, you know, very, uh, they, their work was excellent. You know, the, at least here in Illinois, Prince Hall affiliated lodges are F and AM. I'm actually, they may all be F and AM. I'm not sure about that. I'll, I'm sure hopefully somebody uh, will listen to this and correct me uh, if I'm wrong. But in any case, you know, there's that much a difference in the work and then kind of how they confer uh, the degree, for example, and, and our degrees here in our jurisdiction, the master comes down the dais and then goes through the uh, this arch that each steward has made with his rod onto the, the floor uh, before, you know, obligating the candidate. And in the Prince Hall, the stewards were literally behind him forming that arch kind of over him as he obligated the uh, the candidates there. So, yeah, it's uh, just kind of a crazy degree. But the best, uh, really quick, sorry to take up so much time, but the best part of that degree was when uh, they brought in one guy. I wrote an article about this, but they brought in a guy for his 30s going through the ruffians and and he goes to the first, it was either the first or second ruffian. And the guy's like, give me the pass of Master Mason. And he just gave it to him. He just, like, before his conductor could even, like, stop him, he blurted it out. And this old grandmaster that was sitting next to Dustin and I, I thought he was going to have a heart attack. He was like, he was like Sanford and Son grabbing his chest, rolling around. I thought he was literally dying. He was, it was the best thing it was so and you're trying not to laugh but man and they're all like you gotta be shitting me it was just like (laughs) i'm sorry it was hilarious it was it was like the i was like i the of all the things i've ever seen in Freemasonry. I never thought I would ever see that and at a Prince Hall degree, nonetheless. It was, it was, it, I'll never forget that moment. It was so great. 
You know, I can't I can't let a let a story go by since we're talking about dress. Oh, is this uh oh, I know where this is going. Yeah. I know where it's so going. So we're at uh, Darren and I are at Champagne at Western Champagne, Illinois, Western Star, number two forty Lodge for a degree. And he it was, was saying, uh, it was Brian Clark's third degree. I was Brian's okay. mentor. All right. So yeah. you were junior deacon, I think. Uh, at least oh, for I the was opening. maybe for Weren't the you? opening. I was, but I was one of the the fellow craft. I wasn't one of the main three, but oh. I was one of the one that went to you know King Solomon and his in my white gloves and my leather apron and in in Illinois at that part when we're pleading for King Solomon, you know, to to not kill us essentially we go down on our our knees while giving the due guard of of a fellow craft and i'm there greg uh, were, i don't know were you a fellow craft also or probably i don't i don't know where you were but all of a sudden i go down and i hear this rip <laughs> i had split my pants from my taint to my crack it was it was full glory so i had to i had to basically i'm wearing the apron and i had to go excuse myself and drive home wearing the apron and i keep thinking to myself is from champagne to i was in saint joe at the time so it's a good 20 minute drive from you know where we're at to 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 my house and then 20 minutes back so i had to go and uh, change my pants it was classic. There was a friend. A friend of mine went through it with me, and his dad was a mason, and he was his conductor, and he was wearing a probably a pair of jeans. I don't remember since long, but he had a western belt on. And I invited a friend of mine who was the grand lecturer, and they had everybody was already freaking out because he was sitting out there, and we're going through. And the next thing I know, I hear this laughing. Nothing ever comes. Uh, Whatever, you know, I'm already, you know, crapping myself. And turned out, long story short, to that, you know, as what they were laughing about was this, his belt buckle broke and his pants went clear down to the floor and he wasn't wearing underwear. <laughs> so, he, you know, he showed his game right there. And the... <laughs> yeah, I guess that would have been a little embarrassing <laughs> why the hell aren't you gonna wear underwear to a degree that you're you're working in though i, I guess, mean i guess he figured just, he didn't have to undress you know un- he didn't have to dre- uh, undress so. <laughs> i got i i mean yeah i guess but man yeah i don't know i guess i subscribe to the you know my mom always telling you to wear clean underwear so if you're in an accident you know you at least you uh you're clean underwear you know lord knows that where else the rest of you is but yeah you know since we're having a little fun now with some of this what gets me you know some of our degrees have costumes and things that you wear and, and of course most of them are from the 1940s or before and there ain't a chance in hell that ninety nine percent of them are going to fit over my body, you know. I mean, I, a couple of those I've been at Scottish Rite degrees, and I put one of those robes on. You just hear this rip. I'm like, oh man, I hope I didn't blow it out too bad. So, uh, yeah. So proper fitting clothes, as our, you know, as we talk about our theme here, what to wear in a lodge. Maybe proper fitting clothes are uh, one of the key uh, key things is to, uh, to keep in mind as well. We're all Masons. We all tend to eat so much, but we seem like we've had a lot of wardrobe. The function talk about right here. 
Well, I think, you know, to, to Greg's point, uh, proper fitting clothes. And at that point, I was probably close, probably the heaviest I've ever been in my life. So I was, I was pushing probably maybe like 280, which, you know, for me was, was pretty big. So, you know, I had pants that I was trying to squeeze my fat ass into because I hadn't brought pants the proper size and uh you know that's what i got so i guess uh, you know was the lesson i got to lose some weight this does bring up another idea though here's a here's a question i pose okay you've got you got people who dressed business casual or worse or you have a guy who wear who's wearing an old suit he got from goodwill it's not really tailored to him his pants are too long you know it's like baggy it, it looks terrible. Which is actually worse? That he wears clothes that fits him that aren't formal, or that he wears a formal suit that looks like it, sh- you know, it was his grandpa's and he borrowed it. Well, boy, that's a good question, Bill. I would, I would say honestly, the guy in the suit, at least, he's making the effort. And yeah, maybe it's a, maybe it's a, a ill-fitting Goodwill suit, but maybe that's all the guy could afford. And he wanted to, to dress up and he wanted to, you know, try to impress his brother. So, but, and I agree. You know, I mean, there's no shade on the, the fact right, that it was right. a cheap suit. But maybe, you know, some of his brethren should be able to tell him, says, hey, if you take it over to this fellow over here, he's a great tailor. Maybe he can set it up for it. But do they? They probably don't say anything, you know, it's, you know, I guess that sort of brings up a point, you know, for the most part, nobody says really too much if you don't wear the expected outfit. I mean, I've seen a little bit of people get that look in their eyes like, well, you know, use me as an example. Why the hell didn't Greg dress up? You know, I'm sure. And me, I would never say anything. I, I would be, I'd be the last person in the world to say anything. I'd just be there glad they're there. There was a pastor in my mother lodge that, that did in kind of a snide way. And I think that was when I finally, you know, after a couple months of being a master mason and an officer, I went out and found a suit to fit me, you know. So, and, and it was, but that was just his way, you know. Yeah. One of those Westgate things, but. Well, Bill, you, you know, your original question for us tonight as a theme was, you know, dressing up for Lodge or should there be a dress code more or less? But you also posed the question, the internal versus the external. And, you know, that you kind of, not you personally, but I'm saying we, as we, we walk that fine line of, you know, is it only the emphasis on the dress or is it the internal qualifications of a man, you know, that we're more concerned? That's a big gripe of mine. That's been one of my biggest pet peeves for years, is when somebody will take a piece of the ritual and bastardize it, pardon the language, to to make some kind of wackadoodle point that they have, try to plead their case. I mean, we all know that if you actually pay attention to that, the internal versus the external is about the person's character versus how he looks or his status amongst society. But so many brethren will use that to say, well, I don't want to dress up, but remember, it's the internal, not the external. It's sort of like the same thing to me as, you know, they used, when they were trying to um, take guns out of um, Sonic Lodges, like a brethren would, you know, they would say, well, you know, they say that you shouldn't bring in a, you know, if an offensive or defensive with you in the lodge. And I says, that's not for you. That's, at one point it was you, but it's not, I said, so should we have, like a, 
a metal detector at the meeting of the lodge? How many of you guys are carrying pocket knives here right now? Should we confiscate those and maybe, you know, make sure you don't have those when we walk in the lodge? Or do we run you through a metal detector? Make sure that you have no type of metal. It's just one of the things that they'll take, you know, they can't learn any other Masonic lesson other than trying to take a piece of ritual and form it to the point to where they're trying to make some terrible, you know, defense for their actions. That's just, it's been a big pet peeve of mine for a long time. <laughs> well, we're getting long here in the, in the hour. We'll kind of sum up. So I don't, I don't think we have a hundred percent consensus. And I think that's just fine because I think it depends on the situation, the locale, the, perhaps the degree or the meeting function as to what your dress code will be. So again, for me, I'm kind of laissez-faire if, you know, I want to go along with the plan, but if, if somebody doesn't, I probably won't say anything. So that's sort of my summation. Bill, what about you? Well, I really didn't expect to have to, to come up with an all telling answer for this when I brought it up. You know, I mean, and it is, it's local. It's what you, you know, your local lodge or body will accept and agrees on, you know, I mean, or your Grand Lodge mandates. But I'm more, to be perfectly honest, I'm more worried and uptight and encouraging men to go to their Masonic lodges and participate and be in harmony with them as long as, and I don't care how you dress, as long as it's, you know, somewhat just not, you're not wearing a pair of dirty switch pants and a flip-flop and a, you know, I shot JR t-shirt. You know, I mean, I as long as you go and you're somewhat dignified and, as, and you're willing to participate, that's all I ask for. Is just, I'll be sure to add narrative when you say I shot JR to make sure that the younger generation that possibly may listen to our podcast knows exactly what what you're referencing because yeah, uh, I'm I, sure I guess that, I showed my date a little bit. That, uh, <laughs> that's the uh, I'll just I'll just when you say it I'll just say something like boomer reference and then we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, maybe put a Wikipedia link or something. You know. <laughs> yeah, that might be good. A good idea. And now I'm I, going to go to my old place. <laughs> I guess it's uh, my turn. I, I do agree with Bill. I'd rather see the brother there, but all that being said, you know, I like dressing up and I like to have my brothers dress up. And I just think there's something special about that that brings an extra boy, an extra, I don't want to say seriousness, but an extra sincerity maybe, and purpose in the approach. Yeah, your... yeah, that's a good, good, good way of putting it, Bill. A sincerity and purpose to, you know, a, a degree and, and solemnity, I guess is the word I was maybe looking for. But uh so yeah, that's uh that's my opinion. And and again, uh I think to Greg's point, setting an expectation for the candidate maybe prior to the degree is crucial in this. And and then maybe you can use that to leverage against your brethren to say, okay, I have set the expectation with the candidate that he's to come in a suit, which means we should all be in suits as well. And then, you know, leave it out there as, as maybe you have a, as a, uh, a call to action, if you will. But I, one of the, one of the things that is one of the internal truths about 
Freemasonry that I, I hate the saying is, you know, when you're at a third degree and you tell a candidate, well, you get in out of Masonry what you put into it, because I always feel like that's just giving them a way to cop out and not go into meetings, you know, to not, you know, essentially don't come back now, you hear, you know, nice having you, but, but, uh, you know, we'll you get out of what wisely. you put it. You get out of Freemason what you what you put into it, and I, I I hated that for the longest time until I realized. Well, it's fortunately it's true, right? I, I mean, really I'm I get my fulfillment by doing this podcast with you guys, by editing the blog, by my writing, and and everything else that I that I do in in an effort to educate my brothers, many of who I'll, I'll probably never meet, uh, and they'll just know this voice and good. God bless them because they don't have to see my ugly mugs. So <laughs> that, you know, that being said, I just, I feel like there's got to be a better way of saying that and, and, and saying that, you know, maybe Freemasonry is reciprocal. All right. Well, now that we've introduced these fancy words along with our fancy mm-hmm. dress, I think, yeah, we're probably going to close it up. So anyway, we're curious about what your thoughts are. This episode, We you can go to our Facebook page. And uh, if you have comments on dress, leave us a, a comment on our Facebook page. And uh, we'd be we'll really... Know that if you, and we'll know that if you use the thing as the internal, not the external. We know you obviously didn't listen to this podcast. Yeah. Make sure you at least get through... Or- uh, 58 minutes of it. So. Or they're just trying to piss off Bill. That well, might be it as well. Too. That's true. That be be, one, of, be <laughs> one of Bill's internet troll friends, probably. Okay. Well, enough on dress. Uh, we hope uh, that you dress as you need to to go to your lodge. But more importantly, equally importantly, we are really appreciative that you listen to Meet, Act, and Part. If you want to support us on Patreon, you can go to our webpage and do that. And before too long, We'll have another exciting episode of Meet, Act, and Part. Good night. Thank you for listening to Meet, Act, and Part. For more information about our show, visit our website at www.meetactandpart.com. While there, please consider supporting the show by sponsoring us on Patreon. Until we meet again, may we meet, act, and part.